Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Security Token Show, episode 11. My name is Kyle Sondland, and I'm joined with my co-host, Herwig. Hello, all you amazing listeners. This is Herwig Konings here, and I'm excited to get into today's topic, transfer agents for security tokens. So Securitize, one of the largest issuance platforms here in the security token space, and one of the most public-facing companies in the industry, recently announced their launch of their transfer agent to complement their current issuance services. And so CEO Carlos Domingo mentioned that they can increase the amount of securities issued on the blockchain and give comfort to people that it's a regulated space, and announced that they're going to be offering to record transfers for free, Herwig. Wow. Well, I know we're going to break down exactly what all that means and specifically the role of a transfer agent, especially when it comes to security tokens in general, as well as for private companies. But before we do, uh, even before getting into the news, we do actually also have a special announcement, Kyle. We finally completed our feedback for the SEC. For those of you who have been listening with us from day one, our very first podcast episode, we talked about the SEC coming out with a request to the public for feedback on harmonizing the private exemption framework. They actually came out with a 211-page release, which we, we, we dug <laughs> down into and extracted from it 19 detailed questions from the SEC regarding how to improve, essentially, the private capital markets here in the U.S. And of those 19 questions, we've developed a nice 11-page response detailing our answers generalizing and summarizing it to to be as digestible for the SEC and as actionable as possible, Uh, and really around five themes, if you will, Kyle, right? The Mm -hmm. first was really the most important, I think, in terms of expanding the accredited investor definition. It's currently a very simplistic definition because it basically evaluates whether you have the net worth or the income to qualify for a private exemption. We are encouraging that the SEC expand this definition to license individuals in certain fields who have an understanding of private capital markets, as well as also to include Reg D to expand for an opt-in exemption for non-accredited investors to become accredited investors so that they can also participate in Reg D offerings. With Reg A+, we recommend that the SEC streamline and improve the ability for issuers to leverage this exemption, whether it be through some kind of a fast track model or through a system like a safe harbor to determine for issuers how they can certainly get more of a guarantee about qualifying. When it comes to Reg CF, we encourage the SEC to increase the overall fundraising limit from 1 million to 5 million. And of course, we also encourage you know, an easier mechanism for investors to participate. Finally, we also have uh, content regarding the shareholder limit, which we know is a big one when it comes to security tokens, right? We, we already saw the Jobs Act increase the need to register with the SEC when you break 500 shareholders to 2,000. We still think that's not going to be enough. We ultimately recommend a tiered system to get to 10,000 shareholders before having to register with the SEC. 
And last but not least, as we have been seeing in episodes over the last few months, jurisdictions around the world are defining security tokens and digital securities essentially as the same as their traditional counterpart, but the SEC has yet to do this kind of taking a de facto stance that security tokens and other types of offerings are already securities, but by highlighting and defining digital securities and tokenized securities as their traditional counterpart will certainly create more legitimacy for the industry and pave way here in the U.S. Yeah, so this is a great opportunity, I think, that the SEC has provided us as a greater community with an opportunity to give our feedback and to provide insight from in, deep in the trenches as you and I and, and many of, I'm sure, our listeners are you know, dealing with these things every day and, and have real perspective on how these things can grow and change and develop over time. And so, as we had said at the beginning, the idea behind our feedback was not just to post it from Herwig and myself and it just to be, be our opinion. Our goal was to, to really try to provide a unified front for the, US, the, USC, the SEC where investors, entrepreneurs, enthusiasts, and, and everyone in the industry can all come together and, and put our thoughts together in, in one community and really show that, that we're all on board with these topics and are really trying to push these things forward. And so we see it as an opportunity for everyone to co-sign our document alongside ourselves and show that we have a larger community and their support for change. And so we will actually be including every signer's name in the document prior to submitting to the SEC. So it's a great way to play your part in the history of, of where we're going in our future. That, that document will remain on the SEC servers forever. It may even be commented to by the SEC in the future. Definitely not understating. You'll be making history here. We always recommend people do their own comments as well. Kyle and I certainly snuck ours mm -hmm. in very early on. But again, we, it doesn't hurt to support both your own initiatives. And if you agree with ours, please do take the chance to sign our letter. Again, you can learn all about this on our Medium, medium.com slash security token group. And for, learn more about that article there where you can help the SEC with your feedback. Yeah, it's a pretty easy process. We essentially posted our full open letter on Medium. And so read through it, check out what we have to say, and there's an easy little type form where you essentially put your name and if you're working with an organization, maybe give your email, and that's literally it. It's, it's two steps and uh, two seconds and, and you can just fill it out, give your information and, and be included on that document, be included in history and really put a thoughtful document forward instead of everyone having to submit their own answers to 19 questions that are very dense. Um, if you agree with what we're saying, we tried to keep it relatively general, not super specific so that it doesn't isolate any specific industry participant or, or anyone in particular. Um, definitely go check out that Medium post and, and, and give your feedback. We'd really appreciate as much support as we can get. I've actually been reading some of the few other submitted comments, Kyle, and I haven't gotten through all of them, but so far no one has actually gone on to tackle each and every one of the 19 questions, so I think we're going to get marks for that. But more importantly, the bigger our voice, the more likely the SEC is to recognize this and implement some of the feedback and changes we're recommending to the industry that we just shared with you. So again, go check it out. We'd love to have your, your feedback and definitely give us a tweet if you did. We'd Put your stamp on it, man. There. Yeah. Now, without further ado, Kyle, let's jump right into the news. Let's hit it. First off, some big announcements, I think. This, this first one being enormous. Franklin Templeton, which is a asset manager with $700 billion in assets under management massive, almost a trillion in assets under management, has made an announcement that they are now tokenizing a fund 
on the Stellar blockchain and creating security tokens. It's absolutely fantastic. This is a major breakthrough. You know, we always look out and commend for institutions and the traditional industry adopting security tokens and blockchain technology, and that's exactly what's happening here. Let me read you this quote, Kyle, the, from, from Asset Manager Franklin Templeton. We believe that blockchain technologies have the possibility to knit traditional asset management products and services closer to transactional payments. A registered money market fund that is backed by hard assets and registered with the SEC under the Investment Company Act of 1940, with its shares existing as native digital assets on a blockchain held in a digital wallet, can be an ideal, stable digital asset to be used in the new economy. I mean, goosebumps. This is music to my ears. They clearly are drinking the Kool-Aid. They see how blockchain is you know, impacting their business and they're going full, fully on board with it. Uh, to, to do that with a fund here on the Stellar blockchain, no less. Uh, nothing to do with cryptocurrency. They, they make that extra clear. And more cool, what I think, Kyle, is, is, is they're exactly right about not just the technology being more efficient on how they can uh, follow compliance and do things, but they're also looking at this from a user experience perfect, uh, perspective. The company itself is launching an accompanying app, a mobile app, that investors will be able to participate in the fund and redeem their tokenized shares Amazing. on iOS and Android. I mean, this is what we're talking about. This is the level of efficiency, of access, ease of use that tokenized securities are going to bring us. And here we have a sign of a major, major asset manager taking advantage of it. That's why I don't think it's going to come as a surprise. Franklin Templeton, you win my company of the week this week. Fantastic. Totally earned it. Full round of applause to them. $700 billion in assets under management. This is no joke. We'll see what the size of the fund will be that they end up tokenizing. Clearly, it won't be $700 billion. It'll be a, a of fraction of that. But, you know, and considering we look at the market cap of the security token industry right now, which we'll get to later in the, in the market segment, but we're talking about 135 million U.S. dollars right now. And so even a, a small fraction of their current assets under management in a security token essentially dominates the industry. So it's a, it's a huge move. This is a huge institutional player. And this is a tremendous, tremendous piece of news Herwig. so well done with company of the week I, I you know I, I have uh, nothing else to say as we get more news about their fund that, that's launching as it is a security token call I'll, I'll expect your update when it does on what exactly that does look like and, and how we can participate you better believe it moving on we have another big I think institutional type level news which is caliber home loans which for those of you who don't know claims to be the second largest U.S. mortgage lender by volume in 2018 here in the U.S. Uh, they, they claim to service over $150 billion in loans, and they have officially become the first outside lender to use the Provenance blockchain. Yes, let's Amazing. go. So for those of you who don't know, in a, in a couple earlier episodes, I discussed Mike Cagney and his new endeavors with both Figure and Provenance. For those of you who weren't listening, Figure is a home equity line of uh, credit lender, and Provenance is the blockchain technology allowing for the origination of these loans on-chain. Provenance is now clearly being uh, designed as a third-party SaaS solution for outside lenders to come in and use and also start lending just like Figure. This is actually really promising because Provenance is intending to do an IPO 
in Q4 of this year in order to create mass adoption by both retail and accredited and institutions on their debt protocol. And this is good news because the, the more lenders, the bigger they are, the more use their provenance blockchain will get and the more return that provenance holders will receive. So, you know, big news. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of announcements coming out through till they had planned October, but you know how things go for their IPO. Yeah. So I'm sure we're going to see a lot of announcements here and there as we continue to see adoption for provenance. Uh, and again, another really institutional move to see a major lender say, hey, we're going to start using blockchain technology for our, our debt issuances. Great work, Figure and Provenance. Mike Cagney has been a supporter of the show in the past, so if you're listening, congratulations to you and your team. And this is tremendous. This is awesome, fantastic news, and uh, just another institution that, that recognizes the benefits of a native digital asset. I mean, there's just... We keep preaching to the choir here. Certainly all of our listeners are familiar with, with a lot of the benefits of security tokens. And it's, it's great to see a lot of these large institutional players injecting the assets that we really need into this infrastructure to allow for this to actually hit the mainstream. Because that's kind of really where a lot of the main difficulties are right now, I think, in this space. When it comes to movers and shakers, this is a company to keep an eye on for sure. Moving up next to another major player, T0 CEO Sam Norsalehi, hopefully I said that right, issues an update on their company progress, which I think was well needed post some of the major news that was happening with parent company Overstock in the recent weeks. We did a full episode on that. Check it out if you're interested. That's right. Um, but to keep things focused here, as we all know, Dr. Patrick Byrne has left, and the first thing that Sam wanted to acknowledge was that this will have zero impact on T-Zero's daily activities. Of course, they also acknowledge that they have also had no follow-up from the SEC inquiry into the T-Zero offering since December 2018, making it look like and appear as though things are in the clear, though it's certainly not necessarily conclusive since typically one would expect a no-action letter, although it was just an inquiry, so you, know, hmm. you never know. And that they are actively speaking with the SEC, which doesn't surprise me either. Uh, they are you know, doing a lot of the, the good work educating the SEC and working with them about everything that they're doing and how digital securities are impacting the, the modern capital markets. So uh, you know, I'm sure there's nothing there. But of course, this is part of you know, their investor relations strategy a little bit to give an update to everybody. They go on to list a lot of their milestones, which for those of you who have been listening, we've covered you know, very intensely over the last couple of months. Uh, and also a focus on the T-Zero priorities of the future, which are in order, one, adding quality issuers, onboarding them onto the T-Zero platform, two, creating more liquidity within that platform under their Pro Securities ATS, Three, releasing a new feature that allows short sellers on the demand side to introduce bids and receive locates on, uh, locates on hard to borrow inventories. And next month, four, which, which was expected next month. And then finally, four, launching the first regulated national security token exchange with Box Digital Markets for the Boston Security Token Exchange, which is aiming for an early 2020 hmm. launch. Interesting. Looking forward to seeing all that come into fruition. Great update. I, I always commend CEOs that are open and publicly commenting on the progress, especially when they are a tokenized security. So this is really good communication, I'd say, from T-Zero CEO Samir. I also think it's, it's pretty self-aware. Uh, I think that, that we've talked about this, I'm sure, on the podcast, certainly amongst ourselves. But 
One of the main problems or, or one of the maybe disappointments from T0 so far is this, the fact that they don't have any other assets listed on the exchange. And so I'm happy to see that they're prioritizing getting quality issuers before focusing on the liquidity and trading volume. Because trading volume and liquidity is important, but to really drive this industry forward and to assist with, with real mainstream adoption, I do think that we need additional assets actually being traded on secondary markets, whether that's finding high quality primary issuers that have not explored the security token industry or being able to sift through the current primary issuers to find the ones that should be available for the secondary exchange, one or the other. But either way, we need more, more assets being traded. And, and, and especially on T0 where they're actually doing solid enough volume, especially compared to their competitors, whether here or around the world, they're certainly the leader in liquidity right now. So they should be focusing on additional assets before continuing to push the volume because the reality is high trading volume for a lot of these early companies isn't necessarily a sign of anything being very healthy, right? If you're investing early in a, a early equity in a startup or, or in an exchange or something like that, presumably you're going to be buying and holding if you're convinced in the long term. So focusing right off the bat on, you know, getting as much trading volume as possible while, you know, it would help with float and bid ask spreads, it doesn't seem as productive. So I'm very happy to see that the main priority here, at least from, from this update, seems to be an added in quality issuers. Yeah, definitely something to take away from. I think the letter overall hopefully will be received well by the market. It certainly was by me, giving me a lot of confidence and excitement for, for what's to come from T0. Next up, we have Merge making their way into the United States. Merge is partnering with Prime Trust for Custody and Jumpstart Securities for broker-dealer compliance in order to bring Merge to the USA. It's unclear if this is actually just directly for the Merge STO that we've all been hearing about over the last couple of weeks, or if it's something more than that to actually bring Merge Exchange access via broker-dealers and the like to the U.S., Certainly, uh, it, I think it is relevant to the Merge STO based on the, the content, and it's exciting to see Merge make partnerships with some U.S. players, especially like Prime Trust and Jumpstart Security. So, again, they're continuing to make moves. We're still eager to get more insight on, on their actual STO, but again, this is clearly a very active company, uh, especially for one that is you know, out of the Seychelles uh, where they'll be operating. Another uh, software provider has come to market, Kyle, called Globex, hmm. um, which launched their open order book platform software, which essentially is security token exchange software uh, that is already being awaited on by one customer, the Antiguan government. Um, and it actually also is showing us that there is a lot of activity when it comes to technology and exchange software for security token providers and, and blockchain-based uh, exchanges. Specifically, we have R3, we saw VMware doing the deal with Australian security to, uh, exchange, securities exchange. We also know Blockstation, Relics, Fundamental Interactions, all made announcements of uh, providing security token exchange support uh, under their technology platform. So you know, this is very much so a sign that the industry is becoming more mature. We have more infrastructure options. We're seeing a lot of exchanges pivot into digital securities and blockchains, so certainly something to notice. Uh, around the world, Abu Dhabi recently released new guidelines to welcome and support digital securities. As we have been noticing with jurisdictions everywhere from the UK to Taiwan to Japan to Malta and many others, 
Abu Dhabi has joined the ranks in defining digital securities and creating a path for them to thrive in their jurisdiction, specifically with a guideline around how to, to manage and, and participate in these types of activities. Though without having read the full document, it seems largely to follow the same pattern to essentially define digital securities very much so like their traditional counterpart and enforce the same regulations around them. Another article on the topic of regulation here out of Asia covers both ICO and STO jurisdictions. I recommend you go check it out if you're interested in, in how things are progressing both from the security token perspective and from a digital assets perspective in Asia. Uh, it's a good article on Coindesk. As always, you can find all the articles that I'm discussing either in the, the about and the description of wherever you're listening to or by going to stomarket.com news where all of this has been crowdsourced by our community. The last article I have for you is an opinion article uh, from the team over at The Tokenist. Tim Fries writes an article about how IEOs are stealing a show but ultimately are short-lived compared to STOs and, and they're really truly poised for the long run in comparison. Uh, you know, if you're a fan, go, go check that out. And ending my segment, Kyle, I have a report here. We're always big fans of reports on the show. STO Block is this week's report here where they recently announced a report of about 30 different uh, token offerings that they've tracked, about $540 million in, in STOs combined. Some other cool, interesting notes here. Our cadence is leading the debt industry with 13 of the 15 issuances, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, we, we also saw a very interesting statistics saying that there were 29,000 total shareholders across these 30 offerings, though notably Nexo holds 23,000 of them. So realistically, we're talking about around 7,000, 6,000 participants across 29 offerings, making for an average between 200 and 250 investors per STO. Uh, there are reports around the world and, and from other sources that STOs have surpassed a billion. There's a lot of lack of transparency in this space. So remember that there's always cool insights from all these reports, but we also have to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. Highly recommend you go check out this report. Again, you can find it in the links below or go check it out at STO Block. And thanks again for preparing this. It's also super important, I think, to add that we're still dealing with some miscommunication on what a security token is. One of our most popular episodes is defining a security token. It's something that we spent time highlighting in our document that we sent to the SEC or that we're proposing to send to the SEC in a couple of weeks, which I believe, when does that close? Our, our goal to send that out, by the way, I don't know if we said that on the podcast, was what date, Herwig? We are gonna be closing that document September 23rd. So if you're listening, you have just a few weeks here to get the word out and go check it out and participate yourself. Definitely, yeah. So. You know, I think that there's a lot of compliant ICOs, a lot of utility tokens that are leveraging some of these private securities exemptions, whether it's here in the US, like we've seen with some of the Reg A plus offerings here that are clearly utility tokens or around the world that are calling themselves security tokens because they're trying to be compliant in their fundraise. And so that also is causing some of this miscommunication or, or maybe um, the misleading statistics as we see around the world. So as some of these tokens go live and we can really kind of fact check the ones that have been successful, we'll, we'll be able to continue doing this. And potentially once we get to 2020, I think a lot of that clarity will definitely be established and it'll be much more clear what a security token is versus an ICO, especially around the world. So very exciting to see, great work from STO Block. 
Um, and uh, yeah, now I think it's time to move into the security token offerings section of the of the podcast here. Let's hear it. The first one, Herwig, I don't know if you, you saw this one. It's, it's the Daywalker Movie Fund. And the Daywalker Movie Fund is another IP, another movie production company doing a security token. But this one is actually sponsored by Wesley Snipes. All right. Who is a A-list actor here in the U.S. He's done a lot of superhero movies as well as some action movies. He's a producer. He's a martial artist and, and an author. And he's leading this production company to raise $25 million dollars for a tokenized movie fund. And so the, the goal with this offering is going to be to allow investors to co-invest in movies alongside the closed market that currently invests in these movies because you know the way that these A-list or AAA movies raise money is they take their screenplay and, and all of their ideas and they raise their round from their private investors, raise the capital for the movie and then go out and film. And so the idea here is that uh, Wesley Snipes is trying to have general public retail investors or, or potentially accredited, but even just, just much more of the public than was traditionally allowed to actually be able to invest in these movies and enjoy the returns, right? If you could have invested in the Avengers movie at you know, $100 million valuation and then it hits a $4 billion box office, certainly you can see the returns there potentially. So um, the, the, I think the goal here is that it's supposed to be a profit-sharing token based off of movie sales and it also includes some kinds of, of rights of ownership in, in some kind of loyalty style program. Um, they're in, I think, still very early stages. They're launching on the Liechtenstein Crypto Assets Exchange. So another exchange in, in Europe that's looking to, to launch a security token with, with fund rights, LP interests. And so if you're, you're interested in learning more, a pre-registration is, is supposedly active on the LCX site, lcx.com. I was unable to find that pre-registration section. Uh, maybe they will update that moving forward, or maybe it's just a little bit harder for me to find it. But definitely go check that out if you're interested in participating in, in movies. It seems like this is, is definitely a use case that has gained a lot of traction from the Proxima $100 million raise that we never were able to really confirm. And I, I haven't heard anything since, but they supposedly had been successful. And we've, we've seen some other ones as well. So definitely go check that out if you're interested. Right, T-Zero announced that they'd be working on their own uh, similar version of this type mm -hmm. of an offering. So it seems to, seems to be clear production is one of those new asset classes, or asset classes, I should say, that was previously now new to being unlocked to the traditional investor, even accredited, you know, not something easy to get into no. Hollywood to get access to these deals. So a very, very interesting $25 million I gotta say, I don't think it's a huge number for no. for a production fund. Uh, you know, the movies these days take a, a lot of uh, resources to get off the ground, especially if you want to get one that is large scale and, and a lot of impact. So, uh, I recommend that anyone you know who's able to find more information about it is able to see if there are any uh, specific movies underneath the the fund already. Uh, but definitely fascinating. Uh, hopefully we can actually get access to the pre-registration. Yeah, so we'll have to see. I'll, I'll definitely keep you updated if I can find more. I know that the fund is, has a group of fund managers that's, that's supposed to be managing it. But again, I uh, was unable to find more info. So definitely go check that out. It's an interesting use case. Uh, moving forward, we have a STO out of Japan. This is a solar photovoltaics business by Levias Incorporated. And so Levias is essentially a, they want to raise capital to, I believe, build a kind of a solar farm, a solar panel farm where they essentially put out a ton of solar panels and 
harness a ton of electricity and then are able to sell that electricity back to, to consumers. And so they're, they're looking to jumpstart this. They're actually calling it a JSTO, J-STO, and they're, they're kind of trying to pioneer the term of a JSTO as, as a, you know, they're the, the first company launching that. So congratulations to them for, for pioneering the, the STO market in Japan. J standing for Japan? If I was a betting man, that's probably what I would say. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so it's an energy fund. And, and so they seem to, you know, they're, they're leveraging something that I was unfamiliar with, Herwig, that when I was doing my research, that, that apparently the electricity sales are price guaranteed for up to 20 years under the feed-in tariff system that was implemented by the Ministry of Economy in Japan or economics in Japan. So I'm not, again, I am certainly no, not familiar at all with, with Japan, Japanese regulation or, or tariff systems, but supposedly there's some there's a, a price stability measure here in terms of energy sales. So definitely it's an interesting idea. If you're, you're interested in, in participating, definitely go look up Levias Incorporated and their their electricity fund. Finally, I have a, a small update. We've mentioned this business a few times before, and so I figured I'd give another update. It's the Dreamer STO. If you remember Dreamer, they were planning to IEO or I guess security token exchange offering. Um, they were going to launch directly off of an exchange for their security token in their startup. And they were going to be using LA Token. LA Token and them, they had some disputes in terms of, of, I think, a little bit potentially of investor demand, maybe a little bit of compliance and regulation. And that deal ended up falling through. Uh, but what I was able to see and find is that they, they have found a new partner for their IEO in, in, for their security token. They've been successful. They raised, I think, 50000 winning an award at, at a German uh, pitch competition and, and have been successful in pitching their idea of of you know being able to raise capital on a goal or or potential that, that you would like to do and you can raise money off of that and then it comes back to investors. And so they actually are going to be partnering with the ICDM exchange based out of Asia, launching on October 1st as a IEO initial exchange offering. So they seem to be using a very large crypto exchange. I, I saw it was 15th on coin market cap. Um, that allows for investing in U.S. as well as Hong Kong securities using crypto. This is something that we've seen before in terms of, of providing exposure to traditional securities by investing in something that, that essentially mirrors the performance of that stock. And so they offer those services currently, so potentially they're, they're looking to break into the security token industry as well. And so it'll be very interesting. Definitely go check that out if you're interested or pay attention to the IEO market for security tokens. It, it may be something that, that is very successful moving forward. Kyle, I do have one more for you on here that probably didn't quite hit your radar because it is not yet live. There is nothing that, that you can go out there. But it is by one of our fellow community members, new community member GD, submitted an article about Smartlands tokenizing the disruptive fund, which in, invests in mid-stage startups. Just to give you a quick overview, they're, they're targeting about an 8 million euro sized fund, expecting a 25 to 30% annualized return over in about 36 months, although that's typically rather short for a VC fund. And they'll be you know, investing across fintech, disruptive agritech, IoT big data, 
AI and robotics and drones. So if you're interested in that, Smartlands platform does have a sort of section where you can sign up and, and get alerts about when there's more information about that. It's not very clear who is necessarily managing this fund or, or how it's coming and rolling out. But uh, nonetheless, we always want to highlight what our members are, are submitting. So thank you, GD, and you know, check out this offering if you're interested. And a big shout out to Smartlands, actually, the, the platform as a whole. They were incredibly supportive of the podcast. We gave them a, a big shout out last week for a very successful real estate offering in the UK. They were able to fully sell out their real estate security token offering with, with flying colors. They've gained a ton of support. It's a very up and coming business and they were incredibly thankful to be featured on the podcast. We're incredibly supportive from them and their community. So just another big shout out to Smartlands. They're really doing some great stuff. So check out that offering. I'm sure it's a, it's a high quality listing, um, but you're going to have to do your own research there. So shout out to Smartlands. And that kind of concludes our security token offering section. I have a small little market update for you, Herwig. We talked about the security token market cap already being around that $135 million range, which is no significant movement from last week, which I guess is good because we've seen it steadily fall over the last couple of weeks since an initial burst when T0 initially went live to retail trading. Um, and that's a good segue, I think, into T0. The token price is around 275 which is up about 50 cents from that 220 range that it was last week. So they're maybe recovering a little bit. We have seen over $18,000 in trading volume just today at the time of recording with just about $60,000 this week. So that's, that's better volume than what they were seeing prior to allowing retail investment. I think you'd like to see higher for sure. But again, I, I think that the reality is that this T0 equity token is likely being traded based off of the potential to trade other assets. So you're not going to see a ton of value there until they can actually start hosting other assets aside from just their own equity. So uh, if you were an investor in T0, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about the price just because there's just not a ton of value that they're providing right now, but potentially in the future that could change. Uh, but again, not investment advice here at all. Additionally, we're seeing almost zero volume at all from Open Finance Exchange, less than $1,000 per day across all five of their tokens, which is kind of, it's a little bit concerning. This, is, this has been something that's happened over the last couple of months, and I, I haven't really reported anything from Open Finance solely because I haven't seen much movement at all, and I don't want to, didn't want to you know, disparage them or anything, but definitely not seeing a ton of volume there. They have five assets. They've got multiple fund inter interests um, and, and some other things on there. And so you'd like to see more than that. I don't know what's going on there. And so we'll just have to keep monitoring the situation and see if they can, they can pick that up and moving forward. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Kyle, just to give you a comment to that, uh, private securities are not necessarily one with a history of trading frequently or on a daily basis. But, you know, T-Zero's price even at 275 and trading you know 18,000 or so in daily volume is certainly dramatically more than than what's going on over on open finance so definitely would be curious to see more information about some of those tokens and how they're trading it certainly doesn't sound like there's a lot of activity at all I guess that ends your market segment update. I'll, I'll jump into some quick events for everybody here. Nothing new that we could find other than what, what we've heard before. FinTech 2020 on October 3rd and 4th in Washington, D.C., which I'll, I'll be speaking at. We also have the World Blockchain SDO Summit in Dubai on October 21st. 
But if you'd rather not fly to the Middle East, Middle East if you're here in the US, well then head on over to New York City where we'll be speaking at Crypto Ops in 2019. Uh, again, that date is the same, it's on October 21st. Links are all in the description if you're interested to go register. Yeah, it'll be a fun time. We'll, uh, you'll be speaking a couple times. You can certainly find us both in New York City. And uh, go check it out, show your support, and, and join the community. So let's move right into our main subject, Kyle. Securitize recently became a transfer agent. A lot of the industry was a little taken aback about the purpose, so we figured we might do a deep dive in the purpose of transfer agents in the first place, specifically when it comes to private companies. You know, they, they have a much more obvious use case for, for public securities, but then also what this means all in all for security tokens in the industry. Yeah, so you know, a transfer agent is certainly something that it took some deep diving to for from our end to really make sure that we understood the full capacity of what that means and, and how that can affect the industry. And so, you know, the way that, that we've determined it is that, you know, securitized prior to having a transfer agent was an issuance platform. So essentially what that means is that they work with the company to generate the the token of the representation of the asset that they're looking to sell to investors, then onboard those investors and be able to distribute that token to investors following the successful raise. And so um, they were essentially a technology provider that created this token. And so as a technology provider, they were not able to take much liability for the responsibilities of the company in terms of the transfer agent. And so as a transfer agent, what they're able to do is actually enable to have agency over their post-issuance features, both domestically and internationally. And what that means is when we're talking about post-issuance, we have Pre-issuance is, is that whole thing that I described, and, and then they issue the token by giving it to the investors and in, in the proportion that they invested. But then you may have some other things that you need, right? An example might be voting rights. If you, have, if you would like to, to take voting rights or governance from your shareholders, how are you going to facilitate that? If you need to have dividend features and, and pay out quarterly, annual, or quarterly or annual dividends, you're going to need to be able to facilitate those dividend payments and structuring. Or even if you needed some, some kind of interest payment for a fixed income instrument, you'd also need to be able to facilitate that payment and distribution. And so traditionally without a transfer agent, that would be all the responsibility of the firm themselves to, to handle that entire process in terms of managing all of their shareholders and, being, and distributing, distributing that to all of their shareholders. And so now as a transfer agent, Securitize actually can take agency or take responsibility or if you will, liability and actually help manage that process and be able to use their resources as an issuance platform, as a tech provider and, and be able to provide those resources to all of their issuers so that it can be a very streamlined and effective process, which is very valuable for issuers because issuers don't necessarily know how to manage these things, but it's also incredibly valuable for investors because investors can have the confidence that this is a replic replicable system and that they can be sure that they're getting what they're owed. And therein lies the crux of the, the conversation, right, Kyle? Because at the end of the day, 
blockchain technology, since you have everything on chain, since you have everyone's wallet information, since you are able to distribute dividends on chain programmatically raises this big question. Like why do I need a transfer agent if this technology pretty much does it for me with near perfect accuracy, uh, more cost effectively, and obviously tracked on the blockchain for liability purposes. Uh, and the reality is, is when you get to a certain size as an issuer, this is likely something you're not going to want to maintain the liability for. The, when it comes to using a transfer agent for a public company, that's pretty much one of their sole purposes because when you mess one of these processes or corporate governance uh, requirements up, this could then start costing you potentially millions of dollars in liability. And that's where a third party that is regulated by the SEC that has the authority to take agency, as you say, Kyle, uh, and manage this process on behalf of an issuer, I believe is a major advantage for, especially for issuers that are looking to become very institutional, looking to grow very big in size and take advantage of some of these functionalities like fractional ownership, streamlining all of this information uh, online. These are things that for sure, when you get to a certain size, you'll, you'll take comfort and potentially even need a transfer agent to go ahead and manage those processes for you. Not only because you as an issuer can do it yourself, but because your investors want to see you and the investors prefer that you use a transfer agent for some of these processes. So I think Securitize has been very forward thinking when it, when it comes to this registration here. Not only is it also useful, there is a requirement for companies that go through tier two of Reg A uh, that they will also need to use a transfer agent in order to avoid certain disclosures and things like that. But ultimately at the end of the day, you know, 99% of companies, if you will, private companies don't need a transfer agent. However, for those that looking to become at a certain size and scale, they may benefit from being able to use a third party to manage this process and blockchain technology simply gives more comfort to the issuer that it's gonna be done the right way, that it's more convenient for their investors and that it's better for everyone involved. Another interesting thing is that as a transfer agent, Securitize can actually reissue burned tokens. So if, if security tokens are lost or stolen or mismanaged, they can actually securitize, can just burn those tokens as long as they verify your identity and, and you know, as an investor, they verify the investor's identity, they can verify how many tokens that investor was supposed to be owed and burn those tokens and, and re-give them back to the investor. You don't have to hear any of that crypto stuff where you lose your Bitcoins and they're gone and you never get them back. That, that's not how this stuff works. And so as a transfer agent, Securitize has the full agency to actually be able to reissue those tokens, reissue your proper ownership. And so it's a nice kind of insurance policy that you're protected in case anything crazy happens as, as we see sometimes with banks get hacked and, and crypto exchanges get hacked, things like that happen. And so with, with this ability, by being registered with the SEC, they can fully take advantage of those, those services and be able to provide that to the investor. I want to take that comment apart even further, Kyle, because... Don't, don't misunderstand that with security tokens, you can already do this. You can reissue uh, and burn tokens as a issuer. However, when it comes to the liability component of it, if you mess up and you burn someone's tokens when you weren't supposed to, whether it was a clerical error because an intern managed to get access to your, your blockchain software, cap table software management technology, 
or whether it was something else, you become directly liable. So as a transfer agent, you can now pass this responsibility on to Securitize. So if you're gonna use any of the other vendors that are out there offering similar services, don't expect being able to do this. As far as Securitize has identified, they are the first transfer agent that is actually supporting digital securities. So th this is something that I actually expect, Kyle, as a result, even though there's this concept of even the technology can do it, you want to be able to manage liability and responsibility with a third party, that's where the value of a transfer agent comes in. And that's why I believe many issuers, or sorry, issuance platforms that want to follow in Securitize's footsteps will do so because this other issuers will also say, well, do I, can, you, can I take advantage of this service at scale? Maybe not to begin with, but, but likely in the future. And also historically to their traditional counterpart, cap table software providers having nothing to do with blockchain also have historically gotten their registrations as transfer agents with the SEC to upsell those premium services, if you will. So uh, I don't know about you, Kyle, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see some of these other issues platforms follow in the footsteps of Securitize, or if some of them try to challenge it by saying the whole purpose of blockchain technology is that you don't need to pay additional fees for something like a transfer agent uh, for a private company. It's a great point. I mean, one thing's for sure, this is not free. So while they're providing this, this liability, you know, you can offload your liability and it allows you to scale and, and they take care of all these pieces, it's definitely not something that you're getting for free or at least we, we don't see that happening right now. And so it'll be interesting to see if a cheaper model comes out where they don't have the transfer agents and then maybe you can pay for this as an added benefit or if potentially it becomes commoditized and this is something that is, is demanded by all issues. We'll have to see. But either way, Securitize yet again paving the way. They were, they were the, the largest and most active issuer of security tokens in the very beginning of the industry. And we've, we've only seen them scale and grow and, and really lead the way. So for, for me, the uh, Securitize is my company of the week. I'm, I'm very impressed with, with the progress they're making, the transparency they had. They did, you know, the president, Jamie Finn, as well as their general counsel, they had a great interview with the Security Token Academy. And they've, they've done a great job of being transparent and, and really forward thinking. And so congratulations to their team. This is fantastic. Post-issuance services are something that I think potentially most issuers may want to offload this liability anyway, especially as the blueprint gets proven and, and it's, it kind of becomes an automatic process. So I think they're doing a great job and, and you know, working with the SEC is, is something that's really great. So the more legitimacy, the more licenses that we can get to show the SEC that we're trying to follow the rules that they've already established instead of making them change everything, I think it is a great move. So they're, com they're, they're my company of the week. Yeah, I think it's absolutely commendable. Again, this is the first transfer agent to be supporting digital securities. We have seen in the past and in the last year, VStock Transfer, which is a popular transfer agent in the crowdfunding industry partner with uh, firms, including I believe Globex, who we, who we mentioned earlier, providing some of this exchange software. But we haven't yet seen an actual transfer agent also own the IP and the technology itself. We'll be interested to see what other types of partnerships form in the future. And we'll keep an eye out uh, as uh, everything unfolds here. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I think this is a good, good synopsis of where a transfer agent is. It's not more complicated than it seems, 
but there is a nuance to, to the value of it and why Securitize made this move. So that's about it from us. Uh, it's a great job on Securitize. We, we've covered a lot of things. Just as a reminder, please check out the note that we've made for the SEC. We've put a ton of work into it. We spent a lot of time on it. And if you're interested in participating, having your name alongside ours as co-signers on this document, if you want to imprint your mark on history and really you know, help to make an impact, please sign, please, please uh, share it with anyone else in your, in, in your circles that may be interested in participating as well. And let us know, and, and we'll definitely give you a shout-out on here. Meanwhile, wishing everyone a rocking week, and hopefully you'll tune again in next week. Cheers. Cheers.